Light 1.0 Chapter 9 I Want to Fix You A kind and sensitive writer I met in college, Edward, appeared to have some sort of seizures from time to time, unexpectedly. They were so brief that at first I thought I imagined them, especially when Edward made no mention or acknowledgement of them once they had passed. I had a huge crush on Edward, but he was too preoccupied with his writing and studies and future to notice that about me. I also liked that he shared my father's first name. Edward was brilliant. That was all that mattered to me. I loved to listen to his brilliance. Over espresso, Edward rambled on about Nietzsche and Marx and Camus. His words, like pictograms painted in the air as we sat across from each other at Café Trieste. Both of us were poor, supporting ourselves through college. We nursed our espressos and a shared croissant for hours on those chilly afternoons. I loved Edward's voice, no matter that I had no idea what he was talking about. Though a college junior, I had not yet begun to think. As a matter of fact, I had developed quite a talent for parroting back any complex readings from my social science classes without actually having to comprehend what I was reading. It was that talent that allowed me to pass many classes without learning anything. A friend of a friend told me that Edward had brain damage, a skiing accident. Apparently, that was why he insisted on taking buses and streetcars to North Beach rather than driving. It wasn't his political and environmental support of mass transit as he had professed. Then his seizures and lapse of memory, yes, the friend of a friend acknowledged sympathetically. The weightiest sadness I had ever known consumed me at that moment. Edward, poor brilliant Edward, I thought, despairingly. And then my mind played a trick on me as I thought of my poor, brilliant and mentally damaged friend Edward. The picture I saw before me in my mind's eye was not of Edward, my friend, my crush, but of Edward, my brilliant, addict, father. No. For days I fought the textbook passage that kept forcing itself into my conscious as I slept, as I daydreamed, as I walked to classes. I would not believe it. I would not accept that my attraction to Edward 
had anything to do with unresolved issues with my father. Their coinciding names were a coincidence, that was all. And there was nothing else. I would not believe it. I want to fix you, to make you whole, to make you happy, to make you laugh, to make you joyful, to steal you, to make you soar. I want to fix you, to rid you of all pain, to make you invulnerable to the unkind and insensitive acts of others. I want to fix you to shelter you from all evil, to shield your eyes from horror, to save you from any and all life tragedies. I want to fix you, to open every door in your path that leads to wonder and joy and greatness and fulfillment and meaning. I want to fix you, to help you live up to the full potential of your birth being, to soar as high as I know you can. I want to fix you, to heal you from all the body and mind and soul wounds that life has already dealt you, to build a shell around you that shields you from any future wounds. I want to fix you to rid you of all mean thoughts and nasty acts and shortcomings that leaked into your personality and spirit accidentally. For we know that it is not your essence to be unkind. I want to fix you, to rid you of all prejudice and fear and hate. I want to fix you to make you love yourself, to make you take pride in the shape of your body and the kinks in your hair. I want to fix you. But first, I must fix myself. You'd better not wait. We don't know how long it will take me. Can we fix ourselves in tandem? Can we share our fix-it successes? Can we be role models to each other as perfection works in progress? If you learn to turn off the pain of seeing others suffer without denying their suffering, to turn off the longing to fix the sufferers before I learn, will you let me know how it is done.